Amen. Last Sunday, I was uh, speaking and a topic arose during the message, uh, speaking about the coming of the Lord. And I have never done this before. It's the first time I've ever done this when I was preaching, but I asked the audience, would you be interested in hearing about the coming of the Lord? Would you be interested in having understanding about the coming? I've never done that any time I've preached, but something prompted me to ask that question. Would you be interested to learn about the coming of the Lord? And about 70% of you lifted your hand and said, yes, pastor, we would like to learn about that. So I'm going to preach about the coming of the Lord. Now, many of you may not have this understanding, and this is what I'm going to break down this morning. This is going to be a sermon that your attentiveness is going to be key. It is going to be very important. So you cannot allow anyone around you to distract you or pull you away from what I'm about to say because I'm dealing with eternity. Now, if you don't believe in eternity, that there's an eternal destination, uh, then you and I need to have a Bible study afterwards so we can talk about that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. Now, our world does not like to talk about hell. We want to put everybody in heaven. And believe me, it was God's will. It's still God's will that no one would perish, but all would come to repentance. That is what his word says. But unfortunately, there are many that refuse to repent. There are many that refuse to give up their life to follow after a life of Jesus Christ. And therefore, that is their choice. I have said once, I will always say, there is no one worth going to hell over because hell wouldn't be so bad if we burned up there but you do not burn up there you burn forever there so it is ever and ever torment and that is what makes hell so bad is that you are in torment forever why would you choose torment forever when you can choose a glorious life with Jesus forever it makes no sense to me uh, because we live in a world that is trying to prolong life. Everything we do, we try to eat better. We try to do things better. Hey, take this pill so you can live longer. They are coming out with all type of scientific experience in order to prolong life. And, and I appreciate the knowledge that God has given man, the scientists, in order to do things, in order to prolong life. That's a wonderful thing. But there's a point in time when we all will die. That's what the Bible says. Is. it doesn't matter how long you prolong it there's an appointed time we're going to die but God gives us a hope <laughs> there is a hope in Christ Jesus that we will not all sleep but we shall rise again and it is important my friend that if you live a life according to the scriptures no matter where you are and who you are that we're going to meet each other again in the air and live forever with the Lord so if you have a desire to live forever you got to get right with Jesus seems so easy doesn't it just get right with him so but the thing that I want to uh, emphasize and teach here today is that there is actually two coming of the Lord 
There's two comings of the Lord and many people don't understand that or you've been taught wrong. So I love our dynamic of the crowd here because we have many people that's been in church for a while, many people that are newer to church, but many of you, even if you've been in church for a long time, that doesn't mean you've been taught right. There are many preachers that they'll have a Bible up here, but they don't read no scriptures. And I'm like, why do you even have the Bible up there? You're not even reading from the book. Uh, and so there's many, they'll take a scripture, then they'll just make up their own thing to go with it. Well, today we're just going to read scriptures. And then we're going to let the Bible speak for itself. I believe that's the best way to do it. Just let the Bible speak for itself. So there's two different comings of the Lord. And so the first coming is what we call the rapture. Now the rapture, the word rapture is not in scripture. All right. Many people don't even aware of that. The, the words catching away is in scripture, but the word rapture is not in scripture. But the first coming of the Lord is what we call the rapture. Now the Bible says in Ephesians 5 verse number 27, every scripture that I read will be right up here on the screen that he, might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. This scripture is highlighting or speaking of the first coming of the Lord. So there is a first coming of the Lord when the Lord splits the sky and he's coming back for his church or for his bride or for his people. And then there is a second coming of the Lord. You will see that in Revelations 1 verse number 7. He will come to judge and make war during his second coming. The Bible says, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so a man so this is speaking of the second coming of the lord and this coming comes after the first coming it is important and imperative for you and i to be a part of the first coming of the lord you don't want to be here when he comes back the second time because when he comes back the second time he's not coming to take people out he's coming to bring judgment on the earth so we want to be a part of the first what's called the first resurrection amen Okay, so let's dive into scripture here. Look, look what he says here in Revelation 20, verse number 6. It says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. You see that? Blessed and holy is he that is a part of the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years the second death is when all people who did not make the first resurrection or what we call the rapture will be judged and cast into the lake of fire so I want to speak today on this subject and that subject is the promise of a soon reality and if we're going to talk about that, I want to start in the book of Matthew, chapter number 24. I encourage you to write things down because I'm going to go fairly quickly, but yet respectively slow at the same time. I'm not trying to keep you here all day, but I do want us to have understanding. If you desire understanding today, lift your hand. 
So at least I know who I'm talking to, okay? All right, okay. If you desire understanding today, stay with me. Okay, so Matthew chapter 24, verse number one. It says, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be overthrown or be thrown down. Here they are gazing at this glorious and massive structure. The, the disciples found Jesus' words about his uh, destruction difficult to believe. But the temple was indeed destroyed only 40 years later by the Roman Empire. In verse number three, the Bible says in Matthew 24, it says, and as he, being Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives. Now, this is very interesting because there is a prophecy mentioned in the book of Zechariah. All right. It's speaking of Jesus being on the Mount of Olives. It's amazing how the Old Testament was always pointing to Jesus Christ. If you read the Old Testament, that's why it's important to read the Old Testament, because the Old Testament gives you understanding that they were saying there is a Messiah that is coming. Because in Zechariah 14 and 4, go there, please, on the screen. It says in Zechariah 14 and 4, it says, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the mount where of olives it says it right there so let's go back to matthew 24 and 3 here he is on the mount of olives and the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming here it is right here he's about to explain the sign of his coming and of the end of of the world so he goes on and says and jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you that is the first thing out of jesus's mouth is that you should not be deceived we have many people that are being deceived in this day thinking that the end of the world i remember there was a book that came out because i was born around this time it says 88 reasons why the lord is going to come back in 88 You, you remember that? 88 reasons why the Lord is going to come back in 88. Well, it's 2022. Amen. <laughs> I'm, I think that prophet is dead. <laughs> okay, we're going to move you off the scene. False prophet. Let's get somebody else. But I do remember in the year of 2020, I thought the world was going to end. No, 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 no. I, I, I thought, matter of fact, let's go back. I thought in 2000, the world was going to end. Okay, everybody that's like 19 years old, like, what's happening in 2000? Okay, let me speak to my older crowd. Where y'all at? Praise God. Huh? Hey, y'all mean Y2K? Yeah. <laughs> oh. You want to talk about nervous? Yeah. I was a wreck. And, and then it didn't help because where I was, now I'm going to give my age away because I was in college at that particular time, all right? And so I was in college, and I remember the dorm room lights went out. Now, you heard, I've heard my entire life, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Be ready. And I wasn't ready. I was not living for Jesus. I was living for Eddie. And everybody's talking about Y2K. And the lights went out. I said, oh, Jesus, 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 don't leave me. That's a true story, by the way. And I didn't have a cell phone. I had a landline. It's out. 
So I had to wait for the lights to come back on, which was like 15 minutes. Like, y'all thought that was an eternity. And I called home because I figured if my parents answered the phone, Jesus didn't come. I'm just telling you how I was thinking. And they didn't answer the phone. I said, oh, I missed it. I missed it. I'm going to hell for real now. And they called back. I said, thank you, Lord. And I still didn't change. I'm just a heathen. What? I was a heathen. Amen. <laughs> he said, don't be deceived. For many shall come in my name saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive. Do we see this already? We do. And shall deceive many. He says, and you shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. We see that. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. Now, the word nation, there is ethnos or ethnicity. That means different ethnicities are going to rise up against other ethnic groups. We see that now. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Diverse means many or different places. All these things, look at the words now, are the what? Beginning. You see the words? It's just the start. It's just the beginning of so. Whew, my Lord, that'll shake you. Verse 9 says, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations. But there's a reason why people are not going to like you. It's for my name's sake. It's because you believe in me. It's because you worship me. People are not going to like you. There is a, uh, 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 a, a gathering, a church and you have to forgive me, it's in a foreign land, and I forget where it is. But these group of people meet, and they are not allowed to meet where they are. They don't have the freedom to, I'm telling you, church, we ought to be thankful that we live here and that we have an opportunity to come into a church with freedom just to lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus. So they live in a country where it is not allowed. If anyone worship Jesus Christ, they are executed. They are put to death, them and their families. So what these people do is they go from house to house. They meet in different people's homes. All of the believers, they go to different people's homes. So they're never in one place at one time for an extended period of time. But here's what they do is because if they are hurt or caught, they will be killed. They will be executed, them and their family. So what they do is when they meet at people's houses, they come and they have confetti. They have party hats and they have a birthday cake. All right. So every house they go to, they have confetti, party hats and a birthday cake. Because when they're in there worshiping, because when you worship Jesus, you just can't help yourself sometimes. Sometimes you're going to get a little loud, a little boisterous. So if someone hears them or if someone comes barging in the door, they throw the confetti in there, put the party hats on and start singing happy birthday. I love it. Sometimes I want to do that in here. Just throw some confetti just to see who will respond in here. They do whatever they need to do to worship the Lord. So nothing should hinder us from worshiping Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Amen. So you'll be hated of all nations. My name's sake. Verse number 10. It says, and then shall many be offended and shall portray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise. And what are they going to do? Deceive many. That's happening, isn't it? And because iniquity shall abound. Remember, iniquity is when, when you know what to do and you refuse to do it. You know what to do, but you choose not to do it. Choose not to do it, excuse me. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, now I want you to listen very closely to this, all right? Very closely. Jesus is speaking here. He, he's telling his disciples, this is what is going to happen as the end of the world is approaching. He says, iniquity is going to abound. The love of many will wax cold. Their heart will be hardened. But he that shall endure until the end. This is important. If you have notes or have your Bible, you need to underline that, circle that, highlight that. He that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Why would Jesus mention the importance of endurance? Because once you are saved, you're not always saved. I know there are preachers and teachers that teach that philosophy and that religion, but that's not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is that the Lord will keep you from falling. The Lord will keep you away from things, but that's only if you want to be kept. Otherwise, Jesus would have never mentioned endure. When you run a race, especially something that is long, like a marathon, you have to endure the race in order to cross the finish line. You can't just collapse when you get tired and then it give you, you get a ribbon too, praise God. You try. Mm -mm. And see, some folks treat living for God like everybody gets a participation ribbon. No, my friend, we've got to get in, stay in, and want to make it to the end. Am I helping somebody right there? All right. This is important. So, so he, let, let, let's drop down to verse number uh, uh, 24 now. Okay. Verse number 24. Matthew 24 and 14. He says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. This is important here. All right. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto all the world. Why is this important? This is why we give towards missions. Right. When you give towards missions, this is what your money is going towards so that the gospel can be preached everywhere. And then shall the end come. Verse number 15. I, 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 I want to teach on this. Give me a couple minutes to teach on this um, because there's a lot of confusion on this verse. 15 says, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. All right spoken of by Daniel the prophet. So Jesus already says who this who these words these words are spoken from. So then you've got to go to Daniel to find out what was taking place in Daniel. All right? So he says when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. That's why in parentheses, do you see that? Whosoever readeth let him understand. So the scripture here, the Bible is letting you know that if you're going to study this out, you better make sure you have understanding. 
or go to someone that can give you greater understanding because you can get uh, easily confused here. All right. So now let's go to Daniel chapter nine, verse number 27. So allow me to explain what is happening here. All right. 927 says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, this, I'm going to take my time here. Notice it says one week. Everybody say one week. And in the midst of the week, that means in the middle of the week. All right. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the ablation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. This is speaking of the prophecy of the Antichrist. In Daniel here, chapter number nine, if you just read the entire chapter, we're just going to pull out verse number 27 for time's sake. He's speaking of uh, the Antichrist, which is to come. Remember, he said for one week. One week is equivalent to seven years. So seven days in a week. The Antichrist is going to be on the scene as we know it for seven years. His reign, seven years, seven days in a week, he's going to be in a reign for seven years. And then it says in the midst of that week, because the way that the Antichrist and how everything is going to be set up in the end time uh, during uh, those seven years and the Antichrist is going to perform an abomination. So this is what's going to happen. In the end times, the Antichrist will set up a statue to himself and order everyone to worship it. All right? He's going to order everyone to worship it. Now, it is important here. Let's go back to, we got it there, Daniel 9, 27. He says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of that week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Because for the first three and a half years of that tribulation period, there's going to be peace. Everything's going to be working out well. Everybody's going to be in agreement. They're going to look to the Antichrist as the one that has all of the answers. But then in the middle or in the midst of those seven years, that's when the Antichrist now is going to cause other people to serve him or worship him. And this is when the statue is erected. And so now, look at what this says here. Let's go to Revelation chapter 13, verse number one, please. It says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea. This is John speaking, who's the author and writer, excuse me, who's the writer of Revelations. The Bible says, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast. Everyone say a beast. He saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. Upon his heads the name of blasphemy. The beast here that is speaking of in Revelation 13 is the Antichrist. The beast is the Antichrist. Now, if you drop down to verse number 11 in the book of Revelation, chapter number 13, look what it says here. And I beheld, everyone say, another beast. So there's one beast that is described in Revelation 13, and then there's another beast that is described in Revelation 13. So the first beast is the Antichrist, and then there's another beast. That beast is the false prophet. Okay, so there's two different types of beasts. There's an antichrist and then there is a false prophet. So this here is a powerful religious leader. 
The scripture says in Revelations 13, verse number 11, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon. So he appears to be someone you want to have with you, but when you're around him, when he speaks out of his mouth comes out the devil. And the Bible says in verse number 12, and he exercises all power of the first beast before him. Listen to that now. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and calls the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. So the powerful religious leader, the false prophet works hand in hand with the Antichrist. And because of his influence, because of his voice, he is causing all people to worship the Antichrist. The scripture says, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. The Antichrist is going to survive a deadly wound. So whether he is supposed to die and he doesn't or, or he may be pronounced dead, but when he comes back alive... Or, or, or whether he comes back alive. I'm not sure which scenario is going to be. But we must understand that the devil from the beginning has always wanted to be God. See, when God came in the flesh as the man Christ Jesus, he said, no man has the power to take my life, but I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to raise it up. See, the devil is going to try to mimic a resurrection through the Antichrist. Well, I sure hope y'all with me here now. The devil's going to do the exact same thing. He's going to mimic a resurrection, but it's going to come through the Antichrist. And he's also going to mimic a lot of other things as well. Let's stay in Revelations 13. Let's go to verse number 13. It says, and he doth great wonders. He doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire to come down from heaven. He's going to cause fire to come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. The false prophet is able to do this. He says, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. So the false prophet, this religious leader, is going to have great power he's going to be able to call fire down from heaven he's going to be able to do great miracles and because people are going to listen to him they're going to he's going to say i want you to worship the first beast which is the antichrist and then he's going to cause a statue to be erected and everyone must worship the antichrist and so verse number 15 says and he gave power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Verse number 16, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the numbers of his name. Last Sunday, I was speaking about the microchip that Elon Musk has created, the neural link that goes into the back of the brain, that he's already doing that and trying to get FDA approval to make this something that is universal uh, so that everyone can take it. It all plays hand in hand. We see all the signs of the time. Many people are very familiar with 666. I mean, you can go to a grocery store. If your order comes up to 666, you're going to reach for a snicker bars or something. 
Yeah, you will. Matter of fact, the, the cashier may even hit discount. Uh, you know, she, she's going to do something to get rid of that number. Many people are familiar uh, with that number. I, I remember one time I was driving and I was on my way home and my speedometer, not speedometer, whoo, no, 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 not my speedometer. No. Uh, my, my mileage, uh, and my wife's like, uh -huh, your speedometer, yeah. My, my mileage said 666 and I was pulling into my driveway. I backed up and I drove around my neighborhood just so that they can turn to 667. <laughs> now, how silly is that? Amen. <laughs> and, 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 and so Paul explains all of this to the church. He says it. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse number 1. He explains this to the church there in Thessalonica. The Bible says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letters as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Look what Paul says. He says the same thing Jesus said. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. He's speaking about the Antichrist. He's saying that there's going to be a great falling away and that the Antichrist must be revealed before the Son of Man come. But Paul is not speaking about the first resurrection. Paul is speaking about the second coming of God. He's not speaking about the first coming of God. So many people have taken a scripture and say there's going to be a great falling away. Everybody's just going to leave God and then Jesus is going to come. That is not true because the Bible says and it cannot contradict itself that there's going to be a latter rain. And that the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. And that the former and the latter are going to be combined together that there's going to be a great harvest of people before Jesus comes back. Because Jesus does not wish that any should perish, but all come to repentance. So if there's a great falling away, then he comes, it contradicts the Bible. It contradicts the Bible. So it is the will of God for every one of you to make it into heaven. And not just all of you, but your children and your children's children and your loved ones. All that is in your household is the will of God. So he, he, he says, this person has to be revealed. Look at verse number four, same, same book, same chapter. He says, who opposes and exalt himself above all that is called God. He's speaking of the Antichrist, okay? Or that is worship, so that he as God, look, he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is important because I spoke last Sunday, and this is where this all kind of came up. Some of you are maybe familiar with your Israel history and follow that, but you know they are currently trying to develop the construction of the temple, of, of the third temple. That is happening as we speak. And it's that temple that is going to be built where the Antichrist will sit in that temple, in that seat, and proclaim to be God. Let me continue to go. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Okay. Can we dig a little deeper here? Is everyone with me so far? Y'all follow me? Okay. Let's go back to Matthew then. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 20. 
I want to explain this scripture because this bothers me when people try to. I've heard, I've heard a lot of crazy things. It says, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. There are people of God all around this world, especially in the USA, that are told by their preachers to not get on an airplane in the wintertime. That is a very true statement. That is the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard in my life. They look at this scripture and Jesus said, but pray that your flight being folks, no snowbird in here. I think that's what the preacher is really trying to do. He's trying to keep everybody wherever he is, I guess. That your flight be not in the winter. It's, it's okay. You can get on an airplane, okay, in the wintertime. This scripture is speaking about, hear me now, a condition of your heart. The scripture is speaking about a condition of your heart. Can you prove that, preacher? Yes, I can. Thank you for asking. Flight not be in the winter is speaking of your heart not being hardened. You think about winter time, ice, cold, hardened, everything is stiff, leaves falling, branches thick, stiff. So it's speaking about a condition of your heart so that your heart is not hardened. Let me prove that in Bible. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. You don't want the Lord to return and your heart is hardened. Flight being catching away taking away of the saints because it's going to happen in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and if you're sitting in a church service or at home and anytime that God is getting hold of your heart and you feel the tug of God getting hold of your heart don't harden your heart don't let that heart cause you to sit there and say well maybe next time or maybe next week or maybe I have another chance or I don't have time or I got to fix this this and this and then I'll come to God no my friend you come to God don't have your heart. Am I making sense right here? Okay. Don't have your heart hard. Okay, let's go to the next part then. Neither on the Sabbath day. Remember, condition of the heart. What is Sabbath? Rest. Ease. Ease. Let's go to the Bible. The Bible says in Amos chapter 6, verse number 1. Amos 6, verse number 1. Woe to them that are at what? But where though? Zion is a representation of the church. Does anyone know that? Zion is a representation of the church. So he's saying those of you that are in the church, in me, but yet you're at ease. That means you could be in a backslidden state. You could be in a state of comfortability, comfortness, if you will. And he's saying, uh-uh. I don't want to take away the church and you're at ease because the Bible says I'd rather you be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm or because you're at ease, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So don't allow your heart to be hardened and don't allow your heart to be at ease. Everyone say amen. amen. Okay, good. The Bible says going to stay in Matthew chapter 24, go down to verse number 29. 
it says immediately after the tribulation. This is important. Immediately, Jesus is explaining it. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sun, the, uh, excuse me, appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. He explains it very clearly right here. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. This coming of the Lord that Jesus is referring to right here is known as the battle of Armageddon. This is when he comes to make war. And this is also explained in Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. I'm going to move quickly now. 1911, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew. But he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and that Word was God. The Bible says, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and verse 15 says and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords one of my favorite pictures here I got it up here on the screen uh, it's going to show you uh, an image here is one of my favorite images that I love is a, is a crown and the crown of thorns uh, representing the duality of Jesus Christ uh, that he was Lord and Christ uh, that he was the Alpha and the Omega uh, that he was the Lion and he is the Lamb uh, that he is the one that we consider the everlasting Father but he's also the Prince of Peace uh, I'm so thankful that I know who Jesus is uh, somebody shout Jesus clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify that name hallelujah the Bible says it's at that name every knee should bow in things in heaven things in earth things under the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord it is important my friend because one day you're going to bow and I choose to bow now instead of bowing later I'm going to proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord hallelujah but everything that I'm explaining, everything that we just talked about, all these things happening are happening after the rapture or happening after the catching away of the saints. And as we see how corrupt our world is and how everything we see is starting to line up with a perfect entrance for the Antichrist to step onto the scene. People are so easily deceived and they will worship almost anything and believe almost anything right now, which is another perfect interest for the false prophet all these things all these signs are lining up for what is to come all the signs are telling you and I that the world is about to end but long before the world 
ends, there will be a rapture. Long before the world ends, there will be a catching away of the saints. And so it is important here uh, for us to understand and, and, and really take hold to this because the catching away of the saints is what's known as the first resurrection or the first coming of the Lord. The rapture will take place and the world will continue for seven years or less. I said the rapture will take place and then the world will continue. So you and I will be caught away out of here. I don't know what excuse they're going to make. For multiple millions, billions of people literally gone. But the world will continue. Then Jesus will return. This is his second coming. The first coming is the taking away the rapture of the church. Then there is a second coming, which is called the battle of Armageddon. Then after the battle of Armageddon, there will be peace on earth for 1,000 years. How will there be peace on earth for 1,000 years? Because the devil has been thrown into a bottomless pit for 1,000 years. During those 1,000 years, those that are a part of the first resurrection will reign with Jesus Christ on earth. This is when the devil's thrown into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Then he's released, the Bible says, for a season. We don't know how long that is, but he's released for, the Bible says, a season. He will deceive many again and try to make war against the people of God. Then the Lord will destroy them that make war against his people with fire. The Bible says fire is going to come from heaven and consume them all. Then the devil will be thrown in the lake of fire where his buddies are, the false prophet and the antichrist. Then all the dead, the Bible says, and those in the grave will stand before God in judgment. And the Bible says in Revelations 20, 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So it is important and imperative, my friend, that you and I make the first resurrection. The first coming of God, because there's two different comings of God. There's a coming of God when we're going to be caught out of here. The Bible says in a twinkling of an eye and everyone will just be caught up, raptured out of the ooh, raptured out of this place. But then the world will continue. And I don't want to be here when the world continues. And what's beautiful about us being taken out of here is that we will remember the earth no more. How can you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible says that there will be no tears. There will be no sorrow. There will be no pain. And if we will remember the world or the earth that we came from, we will remember our friends and family that didn't make the rapture. That's why we got to go tell everybody, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. But they're not listening to me, Pastor. Keep telling them, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Because time is winding up. So all the signs that you see is leaning towards the judgment of God. You no, know, you need to understand this. All the signs we see is for the end of the world when God's going to destroy the world. But we must understand that the rapture is going to take place before the destroying of the world. So when we think we have time, you don't have time. 
because the rapture is going to take place first, then the end of the world. And all the signs that we see is for the end of the world. And everybody's talking about the end of the world, the end of the world, the world's going to end, the world's going to end. The rapture needs to be talked about more than the end of the world. Oh, man, that, I, I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if you received that right there. The rapture needs to be talked about more than the end of the world. Because if you make the rapture, you don't have to worry about the end of the world. If you make it during the first resurrection, the first coming of God, you don't have to worry about the second coming of God because you and I don't want to be here when God comes the second time because he's not coming for the saints. He's coming to destroy the wickedness of the world then. And I don't want to be around during that time. You don't want to be here during that time. So there's two different comings of the, uh, of the Lord. And it's the first one that you want to make sure that you're a part of. Amen? Okay, let me, let me end with these, with these scriptures here. Let me end with this. Listen to this now. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Hallelujah. The promise of a soon reality is upon us, my friend. So if I can say the words of, of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, my brothers and sisters, be not deceived. If you're on the Lord's side, stay on the Lord's side. If you're not on the Lord's side, get on the Lord's side today. Amen. You know, before we read this scripture, there's a song that just popped into my spirit. It's an old song. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. He says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It says, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. I wish I had some folks that knew what I'm talking about here today. Hallelujah. All of the ground is sinking sand. Amen. See, in Revelations, he's coming in anger and fire in his eyes, ready for war. But in Thessalonians that we're about to read, he's coming with joy and excitement. This proves that there's two different coming of the Lord. All right. So it says here in chapter four, verse number 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Notice the Bible now. Remember, once saved, always saved. I'm going to punch that lying devil in the face. That is not true. The Bible says we which are alive and do what? We got to keep on living. Someone say keep on living. Keep on living. Those that are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Is anybody ready to meet Jesus? So, so, woo, I, I, I can go, I can go a couple different directions here. I hope I'm helping someone this morning and, and I hope you get into your spirit. I don't want you to think you're ready. I, as I'm preaching this, I'm not standing up here saying I, I'm ready because guess what I'm about to do when I put this mic down? I'm going to get on my knees and repent and ask God, Lord, I want to make sure I'm ready. 
Paul says, if I preach unto others and then myself be a castaway. Here I am telling everybody what to do, but then I don't even do it myself. It's important for all of us from the preacher all the way back to the sound booth all the way out to the lobby there. Everyone must say, Lord, help me to be ready. Lord, help me to be ready. So when we die, oh boy, everybody ready to get your feathers ruffled? You ready to get your feathers ruffled? Okay. All right. Sticks and stones are breaking my bones. So when we die, we do not go immediately to heaven. According to what we just read. There is a place called paradise. That is where the soul temporarily rests. Remember the man on the cross? I want to be with you, Lord. I'm just you paraphrasing right now. Jesus said, today you will be with me in. He didn't say heaven. Different. It's different. Okay? So when you die, your flesh, this right here goes back to dust because that's where we came from. So when you looked at yourself this, this morning, you said, ooh, that's some pretty dust. Look at that. I'm just a dirty. Look at that dirt. I'm gorgeous. The dirt is so beautiful today. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you are. You're dirt. Uh, and so, um, but you're pretty dirt. You're pretty. Your dirt is so pretty. Uh, okay, my wife said, wrap it up. So, the flesh goes, goes, goes back to dust. And then the Bible says the spirit goes to who gave it. The spirit is your breath, your, your ruah. Because God wants to take your spirit right now, you immediately die. That's your breath. So the spirit goes back to God who gave it. But then there's a soul. There's a soul. And your soul shall be somewhere in eternity. It's your soul. Your soul is in a, in a holding pattern in paradise. Uh, so, so, you know, when, when, when our loved ones pass away, they don't beat us to heaven. We go in together. Can you prove that, preacher? I just read it. Let me read it again. The Bible says in verse number 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, the first coming of God. This is the one you want to be a part of. He shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. If they're already in heaven, what they doing rising? There's no need for them to rise, but they shall rise first. And then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up. Everybody say together. <laughs> Everybody is going into heaven together. I don't know about you, but I want to see you there. I want to see you there. I want to see you there. I hope you want to see me there because I want to rise together. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Magnify the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's all stand, please. Musicians, come. I'm wrapping up here. Hallelujah together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we shall ever be forever Man. can I dig why they're coming because when you make this resurrection this coming you don't have to worry about the second coming can, can, can I dig a little bit more here 
you don't have to worry about the judgment of God. Because if you made, let me, let me help someone. Let me, I'm going to dig a little bit. Because if you made the first resurrection, your name is written in the book of life. And those that stand before God have to find out if their name is written in the book of life. But if I've already been risen, oh my God, I don't think y'all hear what I'm saying right now. There's going to be people standing before God waiting on him to tell them if they made it in or not. But if we go up in the first resurrection, if we go up with all the saints, our name is already there. It's already there or you wouldn't have got taken up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I want to be a part of the first resurrection. I, 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 I want to be a part of when Jesus comes the first time. I, I don't want to be here during the second time waiting to stand before God in judgment to find out is my name in the book? Is my name in the book? But I want to live my life accordingly right now. So that when Jesus comes and splits the sky, when the shout of the archangel begins to blow, the trumpet begins to blow, here to be forever with the Lord. The scripture says, as I close in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 57 and 58, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory everyone shout victory he gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ therefore my beloved brother be ye steadfast be unmovable always abounding in the work of the lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain there's a promise coming and that promise is a soon reality Jesus is coming folks I said Jesus is coming I, 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 I'm not, I wasn't trying to preach a hellfire brimstone message to have you cringe I wanted to just give you understanding this morning and I sure hope I did that today I, I wanted you to walk out of here understanding he's coming he's coming and if you heard this word if your heart has been pricked today saying preacher I want to make sure I'm ready I want to make sure you ought to lift your hands right now come on right where you stand lift your hands and lift your heart